Thank you for joining us and for listening to our podcasts. We hope that this may enrich your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's continue. Point number four, his birth. His birth in the end. Consider this. The New Testament age began with a virgin who was found with child by the Holy Spirit before the wedding. You think that's happening now? Uh, If you aren't sure, then read later today Revelation 12. There is a woman there travailing in birth. And she brings forth a man-child, it says, in the King James. And then there's war in heaven. The man-child is caught up to God and to his throne. That's what happened to Paul. And that's what happened to Jesus when the heavens were opened. This man-child is caught up to God and to his throne, and then there's war in heaven. And this man-child is called, it says, to rule all nations with the rod of iron. And he is used to make war in heaven and cast out the devil and his angels. How many of you know that Paul tells us the devil and his angels are still in heavenly places? Ephesians chapter 6. Nobody knows that? I, well, you pro- I'm sure so. no, you guys are the only ones that know it. How many more? <laughs> oh, there's a few. Well, I'm sure the others are saying, well, Jesus cast him out. No, he left that to us. Jesus defeated him and made a show of him openly and overpowered death, hell, and the devil. But he didn't cast him out of the heavenly realms. Out of heaven, yes, but not out of the heavenlies. Okay, there are three levels of heaven in the Bible. The third heaven is where God lives. The devil's not there. He, obviously, in the days of Job, he, he entered in before the Lord, but the Lord allowed it. But Paul clearly says that we're warring against, and this is long after the cross, warring against principalities and powers that are in heavenly places. Yes or no? Uh, did you ever read the Bible? No. <laughs> I'm being mean now, right? <laughs> well, you've got to start raising your hands. <laughs> the New Testament began with a virgin being found with child of the Holy Spirit before the wedding. This woman is not Mary. We already know who will rule all nations with the rod of iron. Who are they? We read it, chapter 2 of Revelation. It says very clearly that the overcomers will rule all nations with a rod of iron. We know people say, well, this is Mary bringing forth Christ. Wait a minute. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. The voice from heaven says to John to go up to heaven that now he's going to show John the future. From 4-1 on, it's the future, which is a hundred years after Mary birthed Jesus. So everything from chapter 4-1 on in Revelation is future. Future for John's day. Okay? It's right there in the Bible. And he said in the beginning, I'll show you what has happened, what is happening, and what will happen. So in chapter 1, he saw what had happened, the Lord in his glory. In chapter 2, he saw the seven churches that were happening. And then in chapter 4, he said, I'm going to show you now the future. So it's not Mary. 
It's the church, the church in the last days. And how many of us realize that little principle in Genesis that like kind beget like kind? You know, a cow makes a cow, not a dog. A human being produces a human being. Okay, what's the woman? She's the church. I, we prove that in the, in the final victory book and so on, and also in our teaching on Revelation and Daniel. The woman is the church, the bride of Christ. And so if she's a company, so is her man-child a company. Right? Does that make sense? It's not a company bringing forth one person. It's a company producing a company, those two armies, the man-child that will rule all nations with a rod of iron. And so, and the wedding? The wedding. It's clearly, I mean, it's written right in Revelation. It occurs in Revelation 19, 7, 8, 9, in there. The wedding. The bride is taken to the wedding. So here's this virgin found with child of the Holy Spirit before the wedding, exactly the way the New Testament started. Amen? And the man-child gets the victory over the enemy. He has help from the angels, yes, that's clear there. But it says they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto death. That's not the way angels fight. That's the way human beings fight that know the Lord. Angels don't need the blood of the lamb. Angels don't fight because of the word of their testimony and certainly not, not loving their lives even unto death. Angel, the godly angels don't die. Amen? Some of you look very perplexed. <laughs> All this is new doctrine? Okay, if that's the case, please read the Bible every year. Amen? It's all in the Bible. I'm not sharing anything that's not in the Bible very clearly. Okay. Jesus told his followers that if they were to, when, when I should say, they travail in birth like a woman, they will see him again. Let's put we there. If we travail in birth, like a woman, we will see the Lord again through that man-child. Amen? Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8, is clearly in the context of the second coming. You can read the chapter, it's, there's no doubt, it's not my opinion, it's clearly stated. In Isaiah 66, verse 8, Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or a nation be born at once? Are you, are you following this? A nation born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, who's Zion? Hebrews 12, 22 to 24, Zion is the church. Soon, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her sons, is the Hebrew, not children. She brought forth her sons. It's Hebrew and, and other translations. These are the sons of Romans 8, 19, the earth is awaiting the apocalypse of the mature sons of God. And the church is going to travail and bring them forth. 
we need to start praying, Lord, raise up laborers. Lord, raise up the army of mature sons. Lord, raise up those who are going to bring down the enemy and destroy those who rise up against you and put every enemy under your feet. We should be praying that so that our prayers are among those that ascend before the Lord and we will be rewarded for our prayers. Amen. Jesus said to him, That overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. And so in chapter 12, this man child is caught up to God in his throne and gets the victory over Satan and all his fallen angels. And of course, as the Bible tells us in chapter 13 of Revelation, woe to the earth because the devil has descended knowing his time is short. He's going to do the worst that he can do. Lord, help us. Other important issues with this birth as I've already shared with you in the first coming, there was a natural birth of the Lord because he was sent to a natural people, Israel. In the second coming, there is a spiritual birth because he comes to a spiritual people, the church. During the rest of this seminar, we'll see with much more clarity that the beginning and end of God's works are always the same. Therefore, we must not ignore an important fact. The fact is that since the New Testament began with a supernatural birth that brought forth Christ to his people, the New Testament must end with a supernatural birth that brings Christ to his people. And that occurred in 1996, and we'll come back to that. Of all the points that we're going to look at, 15, that one is the one that people have the most trouble with. What happened? 1996? We'll come back to it, and we'll see there's no doubt. No doubt about it. Also, we, we saw already that after a certain amount of weeks, in both the first coming and the second coming, the Lord is birthed. Amen. I explained this in the final victory, and it's very obvious in the Bible. In the Lord's coming, he first comes in his people. He's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, not the church we have today. Lukewarm, worldly, even ungodly. No, he comes in his people. And then there are three stages. Then he will come through his people in the greatest revival the world has ever seen. And then he will come for his people in the rapture and resurrection. You have that? He comes in his people, through his people, and then for his people. That's what he is doing. Ver, uh, then also, uh, in the birth of 1996, after that birth, we are in, like in um, your chart, we are in a period of 30 years waiting and nothing seems to be happening. In fact, it's worse by the day, and that's the way it was in the first coming. It was worse by the day for the Jews because of Rome. Worse and worse. In 1996, there was a move of God's Spirit. Some of the People that will be sons of God maybe didn't even notice what was happening in their life, but many others did. But let me make something clear. 
No one is excluded from salvation if they were not part of the company God is raising up to bring under the feet of Jesus every enemy. No one's excluded from continuing to grow spiritually or to be used mindedly in the visitation that is at the door. It is important to understand that the Lord chooses our inheritance for us. The Bible says so. For example, neither John the Baptist nor most of the 120 in the upper room in Acts 1 could have been one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The Lord chooses our inheritance. He chooses our calling. And I am totally convinced that if you fulfill your calling, if you are just a little stone in one of the walls in heaven, you're going to feel like you're the most blessed person in heaven. Because that's the way the Lord is. You're going to feel pity for the others that don't know how wonderful your position is. <laughs> if you only knew what I am receiving from God, you would be jealous. <laughs> uh, you're just a little stone in the wall. Oh, but what a position. Don't, you don't have to be worried about your inheritance. If you obey the Lord and do what he says, your inheritance will be exactly what will make you happy forever. Joyful. Amen. So if you're not part of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, don't worry. God's got a call for your, on your life, and he's going to fulfill it if you let him. Amen. Okay, some will ask, and you should, why is the first birth of Jesus, of, of Christ, after 62 weeks, and why is the second coming, his birth, is after only seven weeks? Well, the number 62, this is explained in the final victory, the number 62 is linked to serving, to service. And he came to serve. He said so. Amen? The number seven in, the, in Hebrew actually means covenant. He's coming to fulfill the covenant after seven weeks. And why is seven weeks first when it's talking about the second coming? Because he talks about the second coming in Genesis before he talks about the first coming. Why? What husband, what, what enamorado, a person who's in love or man who's in love, who doesn't think about his wedding? That's what he's looking forward to. So he was looking forward to that from the beginning. And of course, the second coming is preeminent in his heart. And so it's first in Genesis and it's first in the prophecy of Gabriel to Daniel, seven weeks, the second coming, and 62 weeks, well, coming to serve. Yep. Which one would you prefer? Coming to reign or coming to serve? I, I think we understand the importance and the order. Amen. Let's go back to the chart. <clears throat> Number five, they were killing children and babies. When the Lord was born the first time and now in this second time. Imagine 64 million babies killed in just the United States through the abortion. Also, parents, Christian parents, are casting their children into the Nile River. A river is the source of life for the city that is built there. Cities are built on rivers because they need the water. And the Nile was the river or the life of Egypt. And they were 
casting their male children into the Nile. Today, the river of the world, we could call it the Nile, this spiritual Egypt, the Nile. Christian parents are casting their children into the life and system of this world. Imagine sending them to school, especially in this country, where they're being taught filthy sexual perversion, where they're taught racism, hatred of God, encouraging them to change their gender and be mutilated and destroyed for life. And rejecting their own country and convincing them that communism is wonderful. Hating God, not believing in God, that's public schools. How tragic. We remember a young boy about 11 years old that pleaded with his parents to homeschool him. No, mother wouldn't do it. He's now on his, many years later, he's now on a path that is leading him to hell. He wanted God when he was 11 or so years old. Parents wouldn't save him. I'm not sure what will happen to parents who allow their kids to go to hell because they didn't do their job. I'm not sure that they'll be welcomed into heaven. I'm serious. How could they be? They let their little ones go to hell and God's going to give them the welcome into heaven? It's a serious issue. If they do their best and their children still go to hell, that's different. That's totally different. But not fulfilling what is best for the children and allowing them to be destroyed by the public school system, that is a serious issue. Lord, have mercy. How many of you know that they're teaching racism? How many of you have noticed? You know who the oppressors are now in the U.S.? Anybody here know who the, they call the oppressors? You don't know? Well, that's probably good. The white people. They're the oppressors. Well, you know what? God decides who was who, right? Three sons of Noah, he decided what, what he would do with each one. But if you haven't noticed how much racism against now against the whites, hatred against the whites, it's communism trying to destroy the nation, it bring division, and that's how they take over a country, through division and upheaval. Okay, if you haven't noticed that there's hatred against the white person, I happen to notice because I'm a little bit white. (laughs) I hope you don't spend time on the TV, but you obviously see advertisements all over the place. I challenge you to find an advertisement that has been made in the last year or two years that has a white person in it. The advertisements now all have either black, Asian, or Latin. Even if it's just a hand, it can't be white. (laughs) I'm serious. If there's an, ad, an advertisement with somebody's hand there, it's, it's going to be a dark one. <laughs> Can't be a white one. 
That's what's being taught in our schools. Hatred. It's hatred. They talked about racism for many years in the United States. And I grew up with friends who were black. I like to be with black people because they think twice as fast as I do. <laughs> and they have a very good sense of humor. I, racism, it was basically forgotten. And until a certain man took the White House, who was supposed to finish off racism, what he did was he caused racism to grow like a weed. Oh, Lord. But it has to happen. It's part of the end time plan. Amen. So the number six on your chart is 30 years of waiting. And then before the three and a half years begin, the Lord said he would send Elijah. When John the Baptist was already dead, he said Elijah will come and restore all things. The spirit and power of Elijah is going to bring repentance to the church. Repentance to all those who have a heart for God. The Baal worshippers, the prophets of Baal that have led people astray into Baal worship, ungodly, satanic worship that's in the fills the church today, they're going to be destroyed and the people are going to be saved from the deception of the prophets of Baal. We'll see it soon. Then there's number eight, the revelation of the gospel of the kingdom through earthen vessels for three and a half years. This period is mentioned, as we said, over and over in the book of Revelation, three and a half years. And uh, Joel tells us that during that time, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I've longed for that day. Since I was a young man. Lord, what about the 90 and 9 who don't get healed? A hundred people standing in line to get a touch from heaven to be healed. One gets a touch and 99 go, go home without it. But oh, the day of Joel is at hand. When everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be healed and delivered. What a day we're coming into. And imagine some people want to escape it by the rapture. It's a glorious time to be alive. Amen. Point nine, God's people and the world will be proven, tested by the ministry of Christ through earthen vessels. Some will be offended by what he says says through the earthen vessels of which he has total control. It will be only him, no flesh. Others will realize that the Lord is with us. Some will say it's the power of the devil. And some will even call him Beelzebub. We'll see why later. Will it be a time of blessing on your life? or a time of deception. That depends on what you do with the few months we have left. And I say few months because 2026 is really only, what, two and a half years away? Oh, Lord, have mercy and help us to redeem the time. Amen. And number 10.10, the enemies kill him. Do we find this in Revelation? Let's go to Revelation chapter 11. Let's, let's all go. I'm going to read a few verses. Revelation 11, we'll start to read in verse 3. 
And I will give power unto my two witnesses. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, or sixty days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth them, their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. And have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues. That's the beginning, isn't it? Like Moses. That's out of the beginning of the Bible, Exodus. Now here we find it in the end. As often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. What city was he crucified in? Jerusalem, but spiritually it's called Sodom and Egypt. It's in bad shape. So here we find an amazing thing. These two witnesses, and then by the way, just to see that it's two great armies, the entire world rejoices that they're, got, they're dead because they troubled the world. Yeah, they troubled the wicked throughout the planet. They send gifts one to another because they're dead. But wait a minute. These vessels, these two armies have the power to destroy anyone that seeks to hurt them. So why didn't they do that to the beast? Well, Jesus said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. And these vessels will lay down their life, not for salvation, but for a witness that they don't love their lives even unto death. They're not living for this world. What a testimony. Imagine if two great armies that were <clears throat> destroying the enemies all over the planet and suddenly they all die on the same day That'd be a witness, wouldn't it? Of love, laying down your life for others. What a witness that would be. And of course, Jerusalem, the great city, that's the exact term that the harlot has in 1718. The harlot is called the great city. We already know from Revelation who the great city is. It's Jerusalem. And Jerusalem killed the Lord. And some of God's people will be involved in killing these witnesses. Some of them who fall away from him. Order. No, I'm sorry. Now, <laughs> they're laughing because they understand that word. <laughs> Maybe the only one you understood, right? <laughs> number 12, number 11, I'm sorry. Is the harlot judged before this happens? In Revelation 18, she is judged terribly. You can read it. 
and Revelation 19, the multitudes in heaven are rejoicing because the great harlot has been brought down and the Lord did to her what she had done to the prophets and the saints. The Lord had destroyed her. And that brings the church to the wedding. There won't be a wedding until the harlot meets her end. And Israel will meet its end if they're not those who love the Lord. And the Bible says a small remnant of them will be saved. But what a remnant it'll be. I can tell you from living in Israel, it's going to be amazing. Their dedication compared to what we have today. And then the Lord will establish his kingdom. <clears throat> Verse uh, number 12, I'm sorry, in your chart. 2,000 years before this, the Father gave his Son in this same place called Jerusalem. Spiritually, spiritually it's called Jerusalem. Now should we, what should we expect? If all the events of the first coming are being repeated, these vessels of honor lay down their lives. So if it's all repeated, what should happen next? Do you think that there could be a resurrection three days after? Would that help to convince us that everything's being repeated? Chapter 11, verse 12. And they heard... a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. Wait, number 1111, I should have read that, I'm sorry. After three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. So here we have the resurrection repeated, and then the ascension. Christ ascended in the clouds to heaven. It's all being repeated very clearly. Then, Old Testament saints rose with Jesus. Remember? Some of them, not all of them. It, just says, it says some or many Old Testament saints. Many of the saints, obviously, the Old, Old Testament. <clears throat> the same hour was there a great earthquake. The tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. This is the seventh trumpet. It's the last trumpet. And it is at the last trumpet that the resurrection and the rapture take place. Remember? That's in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52. At the last trump, the resurrection and rapture occur. And here we've got the last trump. There aren't any more trumpets after this one. And uh, the resurrection and rapture of these servants just, ha just happened. And then it says, we're, we're told, And the fear 
and the, I'm sorry, and the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O God, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry. The nations, oh boy, they saw what happened. They rejected, apart from the ones who have a heart for God, they'll reject what God is doing, what God had done throughout the world in all the nations. The nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, shouldest, and shouldest destroy them that destroy the earth. Those that destroy the earth, that's the um, Al Gore types. The, uh, e- ecolo- e- what do you call them? Um, global warming and the... The um, hmm? the green agenda, the green agenda, uh, the um, senior moment, um, <laughs> the environmentalists. They're destroying the earth. Everything they put their hand to backfires, and it ruins something else. It's unreal. And yet they keep getting away with it. And the wicked destroy the earth. Okay, but listen what this word judge. It's time to judge who? The dead. It's It's the believers who have risen with these saints that are caught up. Judge the dead. Well, this word, you know, we think of judgment as something negative. Wait a minute. The word, Greek word here, judge, is to approve, esteem, prefer, and here these are rewarded, it says. The dead are rewarded. The saints are rewarded. It's the time of the rapture and resurrection and the last trump just got blown, just sounded, right? Will there be a harvest after this? Jesus said, the, when the end comes, he's going to gather in the wheat from all over the earth and burn the tares. First, he will gather the tares out from the wheat, cast them into the fire, and then gather the wheat into his barn. Jesus said that in Matthew 13. So yes, there will be an enormous harvest. There will be a a glorious harvest during the last three and a half years. But Armageddon will also be a, a tremendous harvest as people choose God over the devil in his ways. And some people might say, well, I guess I'll wait until that time. I can guarantee you, if in your heart you think you can wait a little longer and enjoy sin, I can almost guarantee you, you're already lost. God will not honor that attitude. You can repent and you can cry out to God and take that out of your heart. Lord, I'm not going to enjoy, enjoy sin for a little longer because I still have another couple years. It'll be too late. His grace is what decides if we can even repent. Do, do we understand that? Grace decides. We're saved by grace, not of ourselves. It's not something we decide to have. God has to decide to give it. And he's not going to give people who, who have the attitude, well, I've got a couple more years, so I'm going to just enjoy sin because there will be a great revival for the last three and a half years and I'll turn to God. No, you won't. With that attitude, I can almost guarantee you God is not going to honor it. You're not going to find grace. 
and you'll continue on till you end in the lake of fire. And as I said, hell has not even begun after a hundred billion years. And some have the idea, well, God's going to sooner or later show mercy and rescue all those people in hell. No, that's only going to happen if his love ends. Because he loves righteousness and he hates wickedness. He will love forever and he will hate wickedness forever. And the Bible says their flame will go up forever and ever. It's eternal. That's why we need to become very serious believers and not lukewarm. This isn't a game. Eternity is what we are choosing, either in heaven or in hell. We can continue to let sin reign in our life. But it's going to lead us to hell. Lord, have mercy. Cause us to choose you. Amen. Let's sing that chorus. Draw me. We will run after thee. How many of you can see that the 15 points are being... Repeated. You see that or no? We'll come back to the 1996. There's no question that was the key year. And you know something? I shared with you that the 70 weeks involved when Israel has their nation governed from within and they're over Jerusalem we lived in Israel in 96 the man colonel who conquered Jerusalem in 1967 Colonel Gur a hero for years in Israel He won Jerusalem back for us. It's under our control. He committed suicide in 1995. His note said it was because he had been diagnosed with cancer and he didn't want to be a burden to his family. I think just about everyone in Israel knew why he committed suicide. Yitzhak Rabin was in the process of giving Jerusalem back to the Arabs and especially the Temple Mount the most glorious part of the Jewish faith and it was to be done in 96 just sheer coincidence that was the end of their rule over Jerusalem at least the Temple Mount that belongs to Islam Islam decides if a Jew can even go up there. They sometimes riot if two or three Jews go up, and if they pray, that's the end. I mean, they're not allowed to pray up there. We're in the end. And the Lord's going to reveal his glory once again for three and a half years, as he did in the beginning of the church age he said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for the for a witness among all the nations and then shall the end come where will we be where will you be will you still be halting between two opinions, whether you're going to serve the Lord or sin. May today be the time to decide I'm going God's way.
I am going with God. I will not serve sin and the devil any longer. Lord, give me the grace to break my bonds today, right now, that we would, I would receive from you the power to overcome the enemies in my life. Lord, grant it, we pray. Grant it, we pray. Lord, give us the grace, we pray. Give us what we need, we pray, to walk with you, to choose you, to reject the world and its ways. Lord, do a miracle in our hearts. Do a miracle in every one of us gathered here today. Oh, Father, Father, do it, we pray. Do it, O oh Lord. Do it, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Hear the cry of every one of us today. Hear the cry of the hearts that want your way. Hear our cry. Hear our cry, O oh Lord. For your honor and your glory, we pray. Thank you for listening to Hebron Ministries Podcasts. Christ in us is the hope of glory. We hope that Christ may be glorified in the church. If you would like to know more about Hebron Ministries International, please visit us at www.hebronministries.com. Thank you.